Welcome to Doctrine for Life with Dr. Joel Beakey. In today's broadcast, we hear the second part of Dr. Beakey's sermon on Job chapter 1, verse 5, on the topic of our priestly activity for our children. In the first part of this message, Dr. Beakey spoke of Job's role in sanctifying his children, not in an inward saving way, but in setting them apart to God. In this second half of the message, we will continue to hear Dr. Beakey speak of Job's sanctifying work, but also his offering sacrifices for them and persevering in prayer for them. As you listen, may the Spirit give you ears to hear. And so it's as if Job is saying, children, we have an altar, a family altar, set apart to the Lord and to his service. There, there we come, your mother and I, even when you're out of the home, we come and we bow our knees and we bring and confess our iniquities and all your sins and the sins that you possibly could do that we don't even know. We bring our sinful hearts and the sinful hearts of our children. We bring our corrupt nature that you've inherited from us and we bring it from within you and within ourselves, and we lay it all in the arms of the almighty, gracious Savior who saves us by the sacrifice of the Messiah. So we sanctify you in our homes, even when you're far away. What a blessing. What a blessing. The hand of the Lord is upon those children. The Spirit of God is striving with those children. Through the prayers of Job. Through the prayers of Job. And dear parents and dear grandparents, there's something beautiful about a God-fearing father, grandfather, grandmother, even after they pass away. Because the memory abides, the sanctifying influence abides. But more than that, the prayers, the prayers are laying there at the throne of grace. And sometimes when you see children converted, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, long after that God-fearing father and mother passed away. You say to yourself, those are those laid away prayers still being answered. The covenant seed still being drawn in. Who can tell the blessing that a God-fearing, deceased father and grandfather can be for children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, even when his flesh is in the grave. Oh, we got to be like Job. Please pray that you can be like Job, father, 
Mother, sanctify, sanctify your children. Did you notice that Job does this early in the morning? That's what our text says. (laughs) That's beautiful. Spurgeon said, as soon as he got out of bed, he had to hurry to the cross with his children and his grandchildren. He had such deep respect for the almighty, blessed, gracious hands of God that he wanted to put his children in those hands early in the morning. Spurgeon goes on to say, it is ill lying in bed when we have sin on the conscience. He that hath a sin unforgiven should never travel slowly to the cross, but should always run to it. That's what Job did. He wakes up in the morning. He says, ah, it may be my children have sinned last night. It may be that something's wrong in their spiritual life. I will run to the cross with them. First thing, first thing in the morning. What a blessing. What a priest. What a priest. But secondly, Job offers sacrifices. He offers sacrifices for them as head of the family. He doesn't only pray to the Lord for his children, but he offers burnt offerings. After he sanctifies them with edifying instruction and prayer and about repentance. You can just picture him, can't you? Getting those ten children together and and those that are married, spouses, I suppose. And and he's telling them, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. God is too holy. We need to come to him with offerings. So he offered a bullock for every child. He was rich. He could afford the offering for the rich. Just imagine those children watching their dad slay those bullocks. Wow. And laying them on the altar. Then offering them to the Lord. Then turning around and pointing their children to the bloodshedding of the Messiah to come, which alone can cleanse. You think that made no impression? According to Leviticus 1 verse 9, a burnt offering involves the slaying of an animal which must be entirely burnt on the altar, dedicated to God. And it typified the coming promised seed who would be slain and offered in the place of guilty sinners. And you see what happens is when that happens in in our life, when that happens in our life, that we flee to the cross like that, then we want to live out of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why we read in verse 17, 18 of Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So what happens, you see, is when in our New Testament age, when you fly to Christ with all your sins and you trust in him alone for salvation, 
then it breaks your heart what he's done for you. You have a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And God doesn't despise it. doesn't earn salvation. But it's the fruit of salvation. It's the fruit of that whole bullock that was offered. The greater bullock, the Lord Jesus, that was offered completely for your guilt, for my guilt, dear believer. And you see, that is what Job is speaking about here. These sacrifices speak about sin and guilt and satisfaction and substitution, but also thanksgiving for the atoning sacrifice of the Messiah. And so Job is teaching his children. I hope you're doing that too. That the blood of bulls and goats are insufficient for salvation, but they point to Jesus who is the sufficient one. And in him we find total salvation through total sacrifice with nothing of us added to it. It is complete salvation in Jesus. That's what gives us hope. That's what can give us optimism. That's how we can wake up in the morning, not be overwhelmed by our evil world and the evil hearts of our children and all the bad things that are happening. We flee to the cross with our children, through the blood, and say, forgive us, Lord, for all our shortcomings of another day. Have mercy upon us. And we bring each child, one by one. That's what Job did. One bullock for each child. Each child we pray for, according to that particular child's need, as far as we can ascertain it. And we lay them all in the hands of God in Christ. I well remember coming to my mother one time when she stayed in the room to pray for so long. That was her habit. As a little boy, I said to her, how can you pray that long? (laughs) And she said, oh, honey, she said, I have to remember each child. There's a lot to pray for when you remember each child. That's what Job did. A priestly, priestly father. How does Job dare to do that? Knowing his own corrupt heart, as he did. Well, Job knows the sacrifice himself. Job knows what it means to end in Jesus himself, the Messiah to come. He comes with his own sin, gets washed and cleansed, and then brings his children for the same washing and cleansing, knowing that God's heart in the coming Messiah delights in mercy. Knowing, not in the detail we know it today, but knowing principally that this is a faithful saying and worthy to be accepted of all, that the Messiah would come into the world to save sinners, even chief sinners. You see, the Bible says that Job was perfect, spiritually mature, and upright, and astute evil. But Job wouldn't have said that about himself. He would have said, oh, I'm still such a sinner. God have mercy. God have mercy upon me. But then finally, Job is a priest, not only by sanctifying his children, by offering sacrifices for them, but by persevering in prayer for them. I just love the last words of this verse, don't you? Thus did Job, and then this sweet word, Continually. Continually. That's a sweet word, you see, because 
Jesus offered his blood once for all, but he's interceding for his people continually at the Father's right hand. The perseverance of Jesus is the secret of the perseverance of his people. And the perseverance of Jesus is our security. It's our safety. It's our hope. It's our trust. It's our everything. He persevered all the way to the cross, didn't he? Jesus, having loved his own, loved them to the end. He persevered. And that is our salvation. But now he perseveres at the right hand of the Father, living continually to make intercession for us so that he keeps us saved. Calvary saves. The right hand of the Father keeps us saved. And so when we are kept, we are also kept on praying ground. So Job doesn't have this strength in himself to keep on offering bullocks, keep on setting his children apart, keep on praying for them. This strength, this priestly activity is a gift from the great high priest at the right hand of the Father to Job that he may persevere in being a priest to his own family. That's to Job continually. is continually going back to his knees, continually offering sacrifices, continually interposing for his children at the throne of grace. He was like the importunate widow. He kept coming back. Father, Lord, have mercy upon our children. What a blessing to have a persevering father and mother at the throne of grace. Joseph Carroll, who wrote 12 volumes in the book of Job, 400-some sermons, I think it is, he says of this text, Nature may have good moods, but grace is steady. doesn't mean there's no ups and downs in the life of God's people, but it means when God works in us, as we mature like Job did, No, we don't become great prayer warriors in our own eyes, but there's a steadiness. You can't forget your children. Thus did Job continually. It was said of Monica by one of the church leaders, the mother of Augustine, in in their day, that she prayed so much for her son. She did it continually. That... The church leader said, Ambrosi said to Monica, the prayers of such a mother cannot go unanswered, cannot go lost. In the original Hebrew, the word translated here continually can be literally translated, thus did Job all the days, all the days. He did it to the end of his life. That's amazing. That's beautiful. So, parents, the the children you baptized this morning, they will always be your children to the day you die. Even when they're married, like Job's children, out of the house. Every day, every day, for the rest of your life, you are to remember every one of your children at the throne of grace. You see, the point is this. Parenting. 
means no man, no person lives to themselves. You, you, you live for others. You live for your children as well as for one another. You, no father lives to himself. You, you, a godly, godly father lives for his children, lives for others, wants to see the work of God there. And so there's a constant spiritual jealousy to see God's work it in the children. Now, this does not mean, this does not mean that you can be full of priestly activity for your children, that all your children will automatically be obedient, or even your spouse for that matter. Job's own wife, in the very next chapter, verse 9, chapter 2, said, curse God and die to Job. You say, you can have a priestly father, a priestly mother. And there can be some very black sheep in the family. And God can use that to test the family as well. We must not judge people who have a few rebellious children or even a rebellious spouse and say, well, that person must not be a good husband or a good wife. or, or, or... No, no, no. That is so wrong. To do so judgmental. That's the whole point of the whole book of Job. The friends of Job said, You must have done something terrible, Job, that you got all these afflictions. God is saying, No. Sometimes bad things happen to godly saints because God wants to mature them even more. And he wants to show the fruit of their lives in the midst of trial to be a bright witness for him in the earth. So, dear friends, who's sufficient for these things? We all come short, don't we? Probably anyone who's listening to this sermon, including me, would look at Job and say, I feel guilty. But you see, Job felt guilty too. His perseverance was through the perseverance of Christ. That was his hope. And that's got to be our hope. We're not to leave a sermon like this just feeling guilty. We're to leave a sermon like this fleeing to the great high priest to do for our children, every one of them, what he alone can do. And we're invited to go there. God is worthy to be sought, worthy to be praised. He loves it when fathers and mothers fly to his throne Fly to the cross, fly to the Father's right hand, and gaze by faith, with the eye of faith, upon the blood signified by the water of baptism. What a beautiful testimony this is. So whether you're single, a widow, a widower, an orphan, we all need the same thing. We need to be priests in our own circles, in our own family circles, in, in the church. We need, to, we need to present the children, parents, congregation. We need to pray for the children that were baptized this morning, that God would work in them mightily. And dear children, may I say a word to you as I close this morning. 
thank God if you have a God-fearing father and a God-fearing mother. Never step upon their heart. And when they want to pray with you, show them great respect. It's such a wonderful thing when a parent and a child pray together. And remember, you are baptized, children. You're baptized. You're set apart. You're called to live different than the world. You're called to turn to God, to repent of your sin, to trust in His Son alone. You're called to seek the Lord. You're called to seek the portion of Moses, not of this world, the portion that Ruth chose, not that Orpah chose. You're called to break with sin. Children, I just wish I could tell you as powerfully as I feel it, but sin is always, 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 always bitter. And it leads to death and to hell it's not repented of. Turn away from sin and turn to the Lord. That's where true joy is to be found. In serving Him and fearing Him and adoring Him and worshiping Him and loving Him and seeking His face. Don't think you'll find happiness in the world. You find happiness in the Lord. May God make us priestly parents. And may our children grow up to be priestly parents as well. Saved by the blood of Christ. And carrying on those covenant mercies. And pleading with God to fulfill them in their children. That God may be a covenant-keeping God among us to a thousand generations. Amen. Gracious God, we thank thee so much for Job, for his example, for his priestly activities. Please forgive us, Lord, for minimizing those activities, for getting so consumed with this world that we marginalize the main things and maximize the minor things. Do help us, Lord, to be prophets, priests, and kings in our own home, and to fear the Lord in spirit and truth. Blessed is a man that feareth the Lord. So bless the children baptized, bless all the children of the congregation, and bless the parents, and keep them in the palm of thy hand, and make them, Keep them as priests in their own home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Doctrine for Life with Dr. Joel Beakey, a ministry of the Gospel Trumpet. Please consider supporting the broadcast of Doctrine for Life with your financial gifts. For more information on how to donate to this ministry and to download free booklets or audio files of previous broadcasts, 
please visit our website at gospeltrumpet.net. That's gospeltrumpet.net. William Ames said, Theology is the doctrine of living to God. May God write the doctrines of the Bible upon your heart so that you may truly live.